Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Kaysen. With me today are life coaches Cindy Chavez and Jackie Gates. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And happy Thanksgiving to everybody. This is being recorded the day before Thanksgiving, and uh, that's always a special time here in the United States. I know people around the world are aware of our holiday here, um, and certainly everybody has to think that, you know, appreciation is a good thing, so I'm sure that other people appreciate it. But there's something special about celebrating this holiday here in the U.S. I personally, I'm going to speak for myself. I won't speak for you guys, but this is my favorite holiday of the year. I like this one better than Christmas. I like this because it's about one thing, appreciation, gratitude, thankfulness. And if there's anything that I have learned on this show, doing this show for nine, starting to go on 10 years, it's the importance of of appreciation and gratitude. So to have a day dedicated to it, it's like, that's fabulous. I wish we did a 365, but hey, I'll take one. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So thank you guys. Thank you guys for being a part of it today. I appreciate that. I was going to say, well, thank you for having us. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful for the podcast and for all the, uh, great experiences that we've created together in the past. I don't know how long it's been now, but years. <laughs> a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like I'm sliding into home plate today because this is like one of the last things on the calendar before tomorrow. And I've been. <laughs> I, I did not clear my calendar today like I usually do the day before Thanksgiving. So I've had clients and I've had and the podcast now. And in between, I've been baking and <laughs> cooking and doing crazy things. So I felt like I looked at the clock and it was like five or ten till. And I was like, oh, okay, whew, come slide into home plate. So, but it feels it feels good. I like this holiday as well. I have lots of holidays because I celebrate most of the uh, Christian holidays that most of the country celebrates and I'm Jewish. So I celebrate all the Jewish holidays. And then I celebrate a lot of the, uh, witchy holidays, like the solstices <laughs> and the full and new moons. And so <laughs> I kind of feel like I have a holiday always happening, like at least in a week or so away. Okay. You got me half convinced. I may actually go down that way, but we'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> I think that's an important, we should all just add more holidays to our, our yeah. calendar. That's such a good idea. Well, I always joke that like on the new moon, one of the things people that watch the moon phases, the noon moon, one of the things people will do is set intentions, right? It's like a fresh start, like this lunation cycle is over and new one starting. And, uh, because we have New Year and the same kind of um, energy happens at New Year, people feel like they're ready for a fresh start. And then I have Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year, right? So it's like, I feel like I really love fresh starts because I've got one just right around the corner. A whole year of January firsts is what you have, right? Right. But Thanksgiving is is one of the things I really like about it is that people are expecting you to talk about what you're grateful for. And one of the things that I like to do that I've done a little bit today is to reach out to people in my life and let them know that I'm grateful for them. And so I'll say that to the two of you today. I'm very, very grateful for both of you to have both of you in my life. And I think that's, that's what it's all about, right? It's like when it comes right down to it, it's, it's not about things. It's about people and experiences that we're grateful for. Totally. Mm-hmm. Oh, to totally agree with that. Yes. Yeah, and and the, I, 
I mean, I, I'm just as grateful for you guys too. I'm so appreciative that you've chosen to be a part of my podcast. It's like, oh, I can't believe Cindy's been doing this for how many years now? She's still wanting to do it. Like, this is so good. I love this. <laughs> I'm very grateful to be here too. And, and it was such a divine invitation to have because I mean, I came on just as a guest, guest star. Um, but it was, it was just like, you know, do you want to come back? And it was like, oh, they like me. They really like me. <laughs> Thing. And it was just so cool. But yeah, you know, we've only been in the country since 1998. Um, we arrived in, uh, in April, um, May, May 1998. So that November was our very first Thanksgiving and all we'd ever seen of it was in movies, right? We didn't mm -hmm, know sure. what it was. So, um, but I had decided that we were going to be, um, that we were just going to thoroughly enjoy being in America. And um, I actually shared a post that I wrote on Facebook. Um, it's public if anybody wants to go and read it. But it's about our very first Thanksgiving. And I sat there and I looked at my two kids and they were so homesick. The two of them were just, you know, for them, South Africa was Granny's house. That Granny's house and school. That's all they knew all they'd grown up with and they were 11 and 9 so it was really tough and they came here and there were all kinds of culturally awkward moments like <laughs> my son sitting in his desk at school at his first day of school and he's you know he's not in a uniform so that's awkward and he's, he's and the teacher walked in and he he stood up he got up mm. and stood next to his desk which is what the English school kids do what South Africans kids do, you know, you, it's a mark of respect. You stand up and he was the only one who did. And the whole class just kind of went, you know, weird kid. Mm. And then my daughter also had, they, they, they both had really awkward times. And, and so they, they were very homesick. Um, and I looked at them at the Thanksgiving table and it was just like, I, my heart was so sore for them. And I said, okay, so this is a Thanksgiving, right? This is, this is not really about the food and stuff, although we've made a, we, we did everything. We did everything with too much sugar on it because that's how, you know. Of course, um, of course. Then my son's going, there are marshmallows on vegetables? Anyway, but, it, <laughs> but we did it. And, and so, and I said to them, so, so let's just play with finding two or three things. And I didn't make it big that you really like about being here. And my son went, the wife, the internet, because in South Africa, we had to pay for phone calls and we were only on dial-up still. So the internet, that was a big thing. And then Amy said something along the lines of being able to buy fashionable clothing because that was also not within our realm in there. And then slowly but surely, they were finding little things. And then we started talking about all the hysterically funny, sort of poignantly funny moments we'd had navigating America as for new people here, right? And I mean, any expat listening, you understand this. It's a, it's a culture shock and you've got to kind of, you're, you're trying to just navigate and even silly things like asking the guy at the McDonald's for a straw. He didn't know what a straw was. And I said to him, and I, and I said, the tube that you suck a drink through and he went, Oh, a straw. I was like, yeah, a straw. So we all started, we all started practicing saying a glass of water. 
because <laughs> otherwise if we ask for a glass of water is people look at you funny so anyway there were there were all these things and by the time we'd gone around the table a couple of times we were rolling and, and it was just like it was such a bonding moment that we had done this i mean when we arrived we knew one person on this entire continent and the four of us were all we had and so it it brought us together as a family closer than anything else could have i think and that thanksgiving is very memorable for us because it didn't completely alleviate the homesickness um oh. but it sure as eggs changed the perspective and it and we started carrying we started playing with it it's like i would just say to the kids what did you love about being in america today and they would say oh i did this thing right and you know and it was just it was cool it made a big difference and and that just it always brings home to me the power of a perspective shift the power yes. of looking at something through okay what's kind of good about this even you don't want to gaslight yourself you don't want to you know whitewash things or make things really crappy things try and sugarcoat them this is not what we're doing but but sometimes just looking at things through a different lens makes all the difference in the world and and for us that's what we talk about we talk about that first thanksgiving we didn't have christmas dinner that following year that year either because what you guys have for thank you guys what americans have for thanksgiving <laughs> the turkey and all those trimmings that was our christmas meal right christmas is mm. roast turkey so it's like oh dear god what are we going to have for christmas <laughs> so and I'm going to say you didn't make Christmas because you still had food left over from Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> This is true, right? And I said to the kids, "Shall we do? Shall we do something? You know, shall we do Christmas again?" And they both went, "Not more turkey." So I said, "Okay." <laughs> so because obviously, you know, there's only four of us, and and most turkeys will feed the five thousand. It was really complicated. Sure. I I vastly overcooked. But then we started doing. a fondue we decided to break with all traditions and we sat on the floor in the lounge with the fondue pot in the middle of the coffee table and that was our christmas dinner and it was our christmas dinner until the kids left home it was just the most amazing oh, i love it we created this new, new tradition. tradition for ourselves as a new branch of the of of you know the gates family in america and we had we looked forward to that it was the only time the fondue pot came out but it was we we loved it and it created a whole new tradition and what we started at thanksgiving is what brought that through it's just like what can we do different what would be fun what can pull us together what have we not done before and uh yeah no so yes thanksgiving's a good a good day for us too You know what I love about this Becky is that by you were talking about the power of a perspective shift but by bringing that up um and we can all do this by bringing that up you know maybe not every single day but uh consistently like what was good about being in America today you know what did you like about being in America today what do we like about the way our life is today um you're not only creating a perspective shift but you are also training your reticular activation to always be looking for what you like about being here today or whatever and when we when we create that habit of reticular activation then we just start noticing more and more things that we do appreciate and when that happens we start attracting more and more things that we appreciate 
right? It seems mm-hmm. like attraction. They're probably already there all the time anyway, but our reticular activation system in our brain begins to seek them out and pay mm-hmm. attention. And paying attention, yeah, sure. Yeah, right. And so it's like when you when you said that, I thought, oh wait, this is we can all apply this now, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, absolutely. It's something that we still do, you know. It's like, and and there have there were times where I would go in and say good night to my, my son, and I'd say, so what was good about today, or did anything did anything delight you today, or whatever? And you go, oh, I knew you were going to ask that, so I thought of something. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but we love that reticular activation system. Mm-hmm. Yes, even when you don't want to. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it's fun. <laughs> I also like the fact that uh, you found a really elegant solution for a problem that has plagued American moms for well over a century. What to serve on Christmas after having turkey on Thanksgiving? This has been plaguing. Yeah. Homemakers for years and years. You found a wonderful solution to that. I love that. Yeah, it was kind of fun, I must admit. Um, and, and you know, we only stopped doing the fondue when the grandbaby arrived because small people mm. and pots of boiling oil, they just it really doesn't work too well. Yeah. Now. So, yeah. Um, so, but we are looking forward to it. My son mentioned it the other day. He said, when, that, when will they be old <laughs> enough to do a fondue? And I said, well, I'm not sure. We'll have to see. Um, you know, it's a long time since I've had small people. So, but... They were they were nine and eleven, so maybe about that age. But yeah, it's it's um it's definitely a, a, a different kind of meal, and yeah, it's fun. It's it's nice. So because you know, and and now that we're vegan, it turns out to be more of a um of a cheese dip and then chocolate dip. We don't. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Fun it's just full of chocolate. We might as well just have dessert. So that's what we do. <laughs> Do, do you we have the an enormous that breakfast, and then we have a table of dessert, and that's. Do, that's do you make? Do you make the argument that many people do that chocolate is a food group? Yes, <laughs> yes, chocolate is a necessity. It's right up there with air and water. Okay, all right. <laughs> Very good. I love this. I love the way we we found a very interesting, interesting and unique way to start offering appreciation and gratitude by telling. First of all, really great story. I love that story, Jackie. <laughs> and also reminiscing, Cindy, about how many years we've been experiencing this kind of thing here on the show. Because you were reminding me um, by you know the little flashback there of how long we've been doing this. We, every year that Thanksgiving and Christmas come around, we do some sort of show right near it that's obviously yeah. tied into the theme. And I just imagine to myself how many times – have we made a show along those lines that helped somebody who needed the help on those days? Yeah. Because the holidays are also a time for many people that's actually a painful time. Yeah, many it's people really hard struggle to through the holidays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've offered so many really positive shows mm-hmm. on this subject leading up to these holidays. And, and I just, I can almost feel the vibration of it. Just as I'm yeah. talking about here. Yeah. yeah. Which is really cool. And it's important for people to to not feel like they have to be cheerful, right? But to find mm-hmm. something that's that's kind of good. That's, you know, even if it's scratching your cat until it purrs or you choose the one side dish that, you know, that's kind of traditional and you you really like that and that's all you have, that's totally fine. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and and whatever feels supporting to you that's the part that that matters um because yeah the the 
the holidays are always a, a tricky part to navigate for people who um, any of the holidays, you know, Father's Day, Mother's Day, any of those, they, they get, they can be tricky at times. Um, but a little bit of nod to the good bits of your life that will never take you down the wrong, it'll always support you, always make you feel a little better. Just a, just a tiny shift. I think. Oh, that, oh go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to say one of the things, you know, talking about holidays being hard for people, holidays are, are particularly hard for people when they are alone. Um, when they're not part of a family structure for whatever reason, they don't have family. They're not, um, currently having a good relationship with their family or their family's far away or for whatever reason, that's a really difficult time for a lot of people. And I think that that's been so magnified over the past couple of years with the pandemic. Um, mm. you know, my husband and I are going to be having Thanksgiving alone and we're not going to be with any of our family and we're going to run out to see some family quickly. But as far as like big dinner with a whole bunch of family and our kids aren't in town anymore, you know, we've got one in town that will, I think be with her mother. So it's like, we're, you know, in that place of not having, and we have each other. So I'm not feeling, you know, overly sad about it, but I, I do know people that don't have an other, you know, and that are spending the holiday completely alone and are feeling very sad about it. And so I think that that's, you know, been kind of magnified for everybody. I'm laughing that Jackie said, if you pick the one side dish, because Scott and I were shopping and we were by the turkeys and I was like, I was going to make the whole Thanksgiving dinner, but it's just the two of us. And he said, look, we don't have to have a turkey. We can eat steak for all I care. Like, let's just pick out a nice steak. And I said, good. So I'm making, um, we're having a steak dinner and I'm making a pumpkin pie because I'm the only one that likes pumpkin pie and I'm going to have one, damn it. So it's like, <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm not right me. Uh, my daughter makes a green bean casserole. That wasn't something that we had growing up. It's it's a it's not a dish that we knew, um, but I love it. And it, she puts twice as many crispy onions on the top, and three quarters of that cake is mine. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we, so yeah, think, it's it is. I think we I think we um, in honoring tradition need to also. Realize that we're making traditions for ourselves every day and we can do this. We can bend the traditions to accommodate a modern life. We don't have to, um, you know, if we are alone, it's like we have, um, we haven't been with our kids for the past three years, mostly because we had to choose travel plans had to be either Christmas or Thanksgiving. So we chose to come up for Christmas and, um, and now we get to do Thanksgiving. Uh-oh, Jackie bleeped out. And oh. it's, it's, oh, I'm back again. Yeah. It's, it's a very precious time and, and it needs to be taken. Um, but we get to, we get to explore which traditions we keep and which traditions we morph a little bit and which ones really no longer serve us. And there's also those. Um, so, you know. I'm glad you bring that up because it's like we can't allow ourselves to become a slave to tradition in in so many different ways. And I think that that adds to people feeling 
you know, overwhelmed or feeling sad or lonely, you know, it's one thing to be lonely, but then lonely on a holiday, it just seems like everything's magnified. And I think part of that is because, you know, it's like, it's the way some single people refer to Valentine's day as Halloween, right? It's Mm. like, you know, they hate it because why? Well, because everyone's celebrating something and they're not celebrating that. And I know I've had a few Halloweens myself and it's like, because we have this pressure that where does it come from? Right. It's tradition. Advertising. It's like, Advertising, yes, yes. yes. we have this pressure on us to be, like you said, to be cheerful, to be happy, to be, you know, to know that we're loved and to know that we have these connections. And then when we don't have them and we have all this pressure, we feel like something's wrong with us if we're not feeling, and that's not the truth. Right. It's like, I, it's such a hard situation to be in. I know there's so many painful emotions that go with it and I really have been there. And so it's like, I want to encourage anybody in that situation to like try a perspective shift where what, what can you, what is good about this day? Like maybe there's other times in our lives where we would give anything to, <laughs> to have quiet, to not have to run errands that day to mm-hmm. be, but to have some time alone we just don't want to have it on that day because we're feeling all this societal pressure to have something different. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, we can take care of ourselves. I think that's the most important thing is to really nurture yourself and take care of yourself in every way you can if you're in that situation. And, you know, reach out to people. I mean, that's important, too, to reach out and make some connections where you can if you're not having them. I don't know. I think that's an important thing to to think about today on the show today is, you know, how, what, what would we give to people who are in that position of feeling um, sad and lonely because they don't have all the connections they want right now, because they don't have, you know, family um, because they don't have people around them and they're, they're feeling isolated. That's the best thing I can think of, but you know, do whatever makes you laugh. (laughs) Well, I can think yeah, of something treat else. Treat yourself really well. Treat yourself yeah. really, really well. Be kind to yourself and um, and understand that so much of this is hype and mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a lot. There are people that are, um, you know, legit having families, obviously, you know, families around and stuff. That's that's not hype. But but there is there is the pressure that that this is how you do this holiday. Well, no, you do this holiday in a way that suits you. You do this holiday in a way that makes you feel happier, gratefuler. That's not a word, but you know what I mean. Um, and, and, That's right. And it's, happy- a, it's a word today. We have made it a word officially. So. <laughs> and it just has you feeling a, that little bit more in love with your life. And, and whatever that works, that, that does, that works. That's what the mm-hmm. holiday is for. I agree with her. Yeah. I can think of one other thing, actually, and that is I have done this show now for nine plus years. Cindy's been on for about half that time, I think. Jackie, you've been on now for about half a year. All of us who do this show, I, I, I think I can honestly speak for everybody here. We love doing the show because we love the connection with the audience and we love the connection with each other. Mm-hmm. That connection, and I feel it every single episode. So mm-hmm. that connection is is so important to me. I want to suggest to people who are perhaps on their own this year, uh, perhaps feeling it this year, feeling the, the loneliness and so forth, know that we love you. And know that your love for us is felt. 
Mm-hmm. The connection is there. Even if we're not in the same room, the connection is there. It's mm-hmm. always there. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was really becoming very aware of that today. I, I finally started to do a project I've been putting off for years now. Because, like I said, I've been doing the show for, for nine plus years. There are a lot of really good episodes we've done in the past. And I have not done anything in the past to actually put them together into packages so people can, you know, listen to a, a whole bunch of them on one particular topic or something like that. Well, I finally started to do it. I'm doing it with um, a series that Joel Elston and I did in late 2016 and early 2017. We did an entire series on the Napoleon Hill book, Think and Grow Rich. We did basically a chapter by chapter, although not the way you and I did it, Cindy, with the Mm -hmm. Neville Goddard series. We did more just like, here's the topic, and then let's just go crazy with the topic rather than the page by page that you and I did. But I'm I'm starting with that one. And first of all, I'm really appreciating how good a job we did. I was surprised how good it was. Really good. It was engaging all these years later. But it was also a reminder to me of why it is the people who have found us, who have come to love us, who keep you know listening and, and giving us their attention week after week, how much value they're getting out of it. Because as I'm listening, I'm hearing it through their ears. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing what they were picking up. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, wow, the more that we can do that, the better. I mean, that's just really, to me, it's, it's powerful stuff. So after this, I'm going to be doing one of our books, Cindy. Uh, I'm not sure which of the Neville Goddard books, but I'm going to turn one of those into a package. I'm going to start turning into into packages so we can get more and more stuff out there that people can play to feel connected. Because that mm-hmm. feeling of connection is so important. That's way to do it. Jackie and I were actually talking about this yesterday. Um, and we were talking about our podcast audience and how much and how there's something that we need to say that we don't say often enough. And that is that it's about the connection that we love your questions. Mm, we love yes. hearing your questions. We love having a conversation with you, um, answering questions that you have and, and then hearing, you know, what you think. And we, we love that. And that's what we, we were talking about how much we want to do more of that and how we always forget to mention it. So <laughs> we are talking about connection with our audience. I wanted to mention it now. It's like, um, and today, you know, if you're listening and you want to send a message, um, about some particular thing you're grateful for or about how you navigate the holiday or what's helpful to you when you're in a situation where you're missing your family or wishing that you had, you know, a connection uh, in your life that were different. So it's like we love, love, love hearing <laughs> from mm-hmm. you. Yes, I, we were talking about saying that um, we should mention it right at the beginning of the episode so that as they're listening, they're just like, here's how, because – I don't know that I know how to send us a, send a message we're we're on a different interface because we're here live with you doing your show but for someone that's watching it um how do they submit a question is it obvious uh probably the easiest most direct way to do it is to send me an email and my email is walt at net. that's going to be the simplest way there are lots of ways you can reach out but that, that's probably the question on the show while we're on the show. Sometimes we get people that will submit a question sure. and we see it. How does that yeah. happen? It, it, it happens. Uh, we, we currently are able to multi stream. So in other words, we're streaming to the LOA today page on Facebook. We're streaming to the LOA today page on YouTube. We're streaming to a couple of other groups I have on Facebook. Um, we have a link through Twitter. So there are a number of different places that people can find us and reach out if they want to be part of the live stream. The live stream gets recorded Monday through Friday 
at 4 p.m. New York time. So that would be in, in, on the West Coast, that's 1 p.m. Los Angeles time. Um, if you're in London, that would be uh, 9 p.m. London time. So obviously you have to kind of get your Google out and, and do a little translation to find out what the time is where you are. But yeah, it's always 4 p.m. New York time, Monday through Friday. And if you want to, to connect in like Nasha has done today, I haven't seen Nasha in a while. How are you doing, Nasha? It's good to hey, see you. Nash. Yeah. But uh, if you like to connect into the live stream, that's fun. That's really great because like you guys are saying, then we can get the, we, you don't even have to go through an email at that point. It's a direct connection. Right no, to the, the host so cool. Of the show. Yeah. 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 Okay. Awesome. And that's what I've been wondering about because I know Jeffrey will uh, send us some questions some days mm-hmm. and, and several other people have sent us some really great questions in the same manner. Like lo- they're watching the live stream and they're asking that way. And that's a lot of fun. So yeah, however, however you send them, whether you're live with us at the live stream or whether you email us or contact us some way, um, just know that we are all thrilled when we hear from you. And for those who are wondering whatever happened to the LOA Today app, I got to tell you, I I have been like absolutely confused out of my mind trying to figure out how to fix that thing. So I've decided that there's a guy I think I've told you about who is developing this other project for me. Once he's done with that one, I'm going to have him fix the app because I mean, ah. it's beyond me at this point. That would have been a great way to to say connect us that way. Not right now. Just hold off on the app for a bit. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's coming. Oh, that's great. Very cool. Um, yes. And as a as what, a generator, of course, having questions that we can actually respond to in real time is my is uh, like superpower mode. <laughs> yes. Everybody gets jazzed after a show like that one. I mean, you, people are practically bouncing off the walls. The energy is so high. Mm-hmm. It's really really cool. Um, one of the things that also came through as I was working on the, the Joel Elston series that I talked about when we talked about Think and Grow Rich, which we did over a course of 15, 16 episodes, one of the things that we, we really focused on that series, we focused a lot of time on the subconscious mind. That's one of the chapters in the book. But we also focused on the concept of the mastermind because mm-hmm. Napoleon Hill was one of the first people out there to actually propose the idea of the mastermind. Mm-hmm. I think he's the one who actually coined the term. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody else had used that term before. And that concept, I mean, the way he originally had um, thought of it, the way that it had been presented to him by his teachers, you know, the Andrew Carnegie's of the world and so forth, was a, a group of men gathering in one room and bouncing ideas off of each other and so on and so forth. Well, today we live in the age of the Internet. We don't have to be in the same room. We don't even have to be on the same time. It can be different times. We have the ability to leave messages for each other and so forth. And vibration is vibration. It goes, it, it's timeless. It's irrelevant to time. So I kept thinking about all the different ways we create masterminds. Every single episode is a mastermind. Every time that we get input from a listener, it's a mastermind. Every time that any kind of interaction happens, it's a mastermind. We're masterminding all over the place. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And, and yeah. the idea of a mastermind is literally like when you hear someone use that expression that two heads are better than one, right? The idea behind a mastermind is like with us here today, if we're brainstorming, and we are, we have been, right? We've been talking about how, how can we help people that are lonely? So we talk about it, is that there's three of us here. We all have a mind, but there's mm-hmm. a fourth mind, a fourth yes. mind that's made up of the combination of all three of our minds and what we're all contributing when we're connected together like this in a brainstorming session. That's the mastermind. And mm-hmm. things come up that way, solutions to problems and ideas and new inventions that never come up from just one solitary mind <laughs> because there's mm-hmm. so much more power 
when you've got more people. So it's really, really cool. And that's one of the reasons why I think when we've gotten questions in the past, we've had some really serious questions in the last few years from people who were having serious problems and, and couldn't figure out a way to deal with them. And so we would just brainstorm them on the air and start talking about how, you know, possible solutions. And it's always really powerful. I love that idea. And it was Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill is the originator of that idea of the mastermind. He did coin that. Okay. I thought he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't sure of that, but I thought so. It was a brilliant Brilliant idea. Although he would not, he would say he didn't create it. He he would say that his teachers, the industrialists of the age that he interviewed, were the ones who created it. But I don't know. I, I'll give him credit for the phrase anyway. He he definitely gets credit for the he phrase. He wrote it in his book. So. <laughs> Absolutely. That hey, that he's the author. That's what authoring is. You become the authority. <laughs> yeah, right. He gets to take credit. He definitely gets credit. Uh, like I mentioned, also. Um, it, when when I was reviewing the episodes that Joel and I had done on that book, we spent two entire episodes on the subconscious mind, not surprisingly, because it's such a huge topic. Um, but what really grabbed my attention as I was rehearing, listening again to what we had talked about four or five years ago, um, I was recognizing just how relevant the concept of the subconscious mind is today to those of us in these LOA conscious creator type circles. Because we have come to recognize just what a huge role it plays in our journeys that we take in trying to master our own abilities to manifest the lives of our dreams. It's just an amazing thing. So that, that subconscious mind is a big, big topic. One that I don't think you can actually overstate. One that probably needs more, even more attention than we've given to it. So I want to ask you guys in the context of Thanksgiving, of the Thanksgiving day and of the attitude of appreciation and gratitude, how would you use and apply these concepts when the subconscious mind is, is under consideration? You're muted, Cindy. Oops. All right. There was, there was suddenly a ton of very loud traffic outside and I muted myself. Um, the, the, um, so thank you for telling me the, the, subconscious mind when you started talking about that i was thinking about all the chapters that neville covered yes <laughs> yes <laughs> it was more than two i know that it was <laughs> more than two <laughs> information and one of the things that i think we covered over and over because i think neither one of us had a super strong or at least i didn't super strong grasp on it at the very mm-hmm. beginning so Me we too. kept covering it until we could really get it and it was the idea that that the subconscious, and this is Neville, this is not Napoleon Hill, but that the subconscious is like, um, likened to the womb in that a child, you know, gets planted in the womb and starts to grow and then it becomes manifest at it, it is born and it's there. It's on the outside of the womb. Now it's on the outside of the world. It's something in the world of its own self. And that when we, that our subconscious behaves that way, that we plant ideas and that that's where they're planted and that the subconscious is actually the part of our field that is growing the thing that is going to become manifest. And so it's kind of mind-blowing the way Neville put it together, but 
I think about that in the context of the subconscious is subconscious. (laughs) Talking about it in a conscious way, like how do we, you know, well, it has the things that we do are conscious. So we make a conscious effort and we bring, we bring more things to our awareness where, where we bring them out of the area of hopes and wishes and dreams and into reality begins by bringing it into our awareness. We become aware of what it is we desire. We become aware, open to opportunities. Like Jackie was talking about her superpower being, you know, in the placement of being able to respond to something. Well, we can't respond to something if we're not even aware that it's there. So the first thing is opening our awareness. And as far as Thanksgiving go, goes, or, or a holiday where we're feeling, you know, lonely, I would shift over to that question of what is good about this? What is good about this? I can name all the things that are terrible about it. You know, I'm, I feel sad. I'm by myself. I don't have my family, I, whatever. Um, but let's take the switch and ask our brain to think about, well, what is good about this? Is there anything good about this? Can I find, like Jackie said, don't go big, two things. Like, can I just think of two things that are good about this? Um, when we do that, we open our awareness. And the more things we can become aware of, then that reticular activation will kick in. And it's the subconscious. I think reticular activation is not super conscious. I think it's more subconscious. It kind of, it's sort of like the parasympathetic nervous system, right? Like I don't really have to think about breathing. I I will breathe. I breathe in my sleep. I don't have to consciously say breathe. Well, sometimes I do, but most of the time I don't. (laughs) So that's what I think of. I think of consciously making the decision that I'm going to try my best here to shift my perspective and ask myself, what is good about this? Just one or two things that I can say are good about this. Maybe it's that I have a roof over my head and I'm not freezing and I'm not, you know, homeless, or maybe it's that I am homeless and someone has put me on their couch for the weekend and I have a place to stay. I mean, whatever it is, find something good. And in doing that, I think we start planting those seeds of hope and optimism in our subconscious and they start growing into actual manifestations of the things that we would rather have. That's how I think it's working. Jackie, what I, do would, you- I would agree. Um, I love the womb analogy. Um, I, I usually use a kind of a garden thing, but it is, but it reminds me of my son saying, I knew you were going to ask that question. So I'm going to now make sure that somewhere in my day I notice something good. So if you are, so for example, in navigating the holidays, if you just make a small promise to yourself first thing in the morning that by the evening you will find something that was good, something that was delightful, something that made you smile a little bit more, whatever that is, so that your your subconscious then has a seed that it will start growing. And in LOA circles, they can use it as pre-paving. Um, is Walt frozen? And it's just me. I was at one point. 
Okay, good. Well, your video is is still frozen for me. I'm glad that you're that we hear your audio. Yeah, my, my internet disappeared entirely at one point. I was gone for about 20 seconds or so. It scared the daylights out of me. But okay, <laughs> glad you're still here. So, in in planting that seed, in in deliberately setting yourself up for a small success, this is a promise you can make to your next self. For your from your current self so i i deal with next selves a lot so i will make sure that this i will have something that my evening self will appreciate and even if that means mm -hmm. i have to do it it doesn't matter i yes. want something for them for that version of me to be happy about so maybe i take my my favorite chocolate and i put it on my pillow um because that makes me feel like i'm living in a hotel and I forget about it 99% of the time. And when I get there, I go, oh, that was nice of me. I forgot I remembered. <laughs> right? And I love so, it. Yes. It, but it is these little things. And we tend when we are particularly at the mercy of, um, you know, pressures from outside and societal things, whatnot, we tend to forget just how powerful we are in the creation of our own experience of something. So use your subconscious to serve you. Plant, plant a seed that at the end of the day, there will be one thing, maybe two, but definitely one, where you'll go, that wasn't so bad. And sometimes it doesn't even have to be delightful and good. It can be not so bad. You can lie down at the end of the day and go, well, I didn't kill anybody around the Thanksgiving table today. <laughs> you know, That could be um, a victory. Uh, yes, right, score. Or, you know, <laughs> Uncle so-and-so right. with his political views that don't gel with yours. Well, I didn't throw anything at him, so I'm taking that as a win. Um, yeah, he walked out of the house without any bloodshed. That was pretty good. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so it, it, we tend, I think we tend to be very um, heavy-handed with the results we expect of ourselves. And we need to lighten up and be gentler. And maybe even just a tad more flippant about it all because the universe likes a light, it likes a light touch, right? It likes set and forget. And so when you just decide that there will be something good for you to notice by the end of the day and leave it at that, believe me, there will, that will happen. Your subconscious is that powerful. You know, something else is that everybody, I mean, I think everybody can relate to the, the idea of the grass always being greener on the other side, right? Like we always think, we, especially when we're down in the dumps, we think everyone else has it better than us, right? Everyone else's holiday celebration is better than ours or is at least smoother than ours or, you know, whatever. When when we get in that energy level, um, it's very hard to see our way out of it. And so when we're down there, it feels like other people are having an easier time and no one can understand how rough it is for us. And I mean, I think we can all we can all think of a time when we felt like that, right? Oh, yeah. But I was talking oh, yeah. to somebody yesterday, and we were talking about whether you're a Saturday Night Live fan or not. If you go on YouTube and you type in SNL holiday skits, you know, mm. there'll be holiday skits from however many years going back and they're all the same skit, right? They're they all are. about, they're all about what happens around Thanksgiving table with, with all of the crap. <laughs> and, I said, and I said to them, I said, look, you know why it's so funny? Because everybody gets it. Like everybody yes. watches that and it, everybody says, Oh, I've been there. I've been to a dinner like that. Right. So <laughs> it's like, 
it is a common experience. It's not, you're not the only one that is having yeah. this experience. It's, or it is humaning. Yeah. And, and, you yeah. know, and I think, I think we can, we can take the, the, you know, the Thomas Kincaid Disney lens off. <laughs> just enjoy being, just be enjoy being human because we have the power to enjoy it. We can decide to enjoy it, damn it, and go ahead and enjoy it. <laughs> Right. Oh, you know, maybe we put that lens on, right? Like, oh, I don't want to visit. Well, it depends if it serves you. Sure as eggs do that. I mean, well, yeah, I was, but, you know, but at the same time, it's like my mother would, my mother would always say, I'm going to enjoy myself, damn it. And right. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, I won't, I will let this person be nameless, but um, we have a mutual friend that told a story one time of, um, getting an email from someone that was being very sarcastic. It was saying, Oh, you just think you know everything and you just think you're, you know, God's gift to, to the world. And, and when they read the email, they read it through that Disney lens, right? They said, Oh my gosh, how nice. Like they literally <laughs> were reading it and feeling like, this person thinks I'm God's gift to the world. Oh my gosh, this person thinks I know everything. This is so amazing. And then the <laughs> next it. day, the next day they said, Oh, wait a minute. I think that was <laughs> so I'm like, we could actually show up to somewhere with our Disney glasses on, right? And just everything that was said to us, we could take it as, well, how nice sure. is it? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I'm gonna try yes. it. Yeah, it's so I love fun. It. I'd love to also throw in a vote for silliness because that's part of what the Saturday Night Live skits are all about. That's what yes. kind of mm -hmm. what we're talking about here, the silliness. I want to give you an example of silliness that has been kind of missing in our house for the last few years. And Louise let me know it's about to come back. And I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> on Christmas, she hasn't done this in a few years, but on Christmas for many years, what she would do is she would get up in the middle of the night and she would take a couple of stockings, Christmas stockings, and stuff them with stuff. And then wake up the next morning and we'd open our stockings first and she would behave like she had never seen it before. It was the <laughs> best thing. You talk about act as if, Jackie. I mean, she's a, she's the queen of act as if with a Christmas stocking. Look what Santa gave to me. <laughs> yes, yeah. I like this idea. I think I'm yes. going to start ordering things. <laughs> my mother, the best part my mother was, was what the things were. I got to tell you what the things were. They were like shaving yes. cream. <laughs> razors, toothbrush. <laughs> My mom used to buy Christmas presents throughout the year. And whenever she opened, I mean, we kind of knew that Santa wasn't 100% legit. Just like we we pretty sure it was my mom, but we weren't 100% sure. <laughs> but my mom was always good enough to act as, you know, oh my God, look at what you got. Isn't that amazing? And I asked her about that once and she said, you know, sometimes I'd buy it so early in the year, I legitimately forgot what it was. Okay. That's a good strategy. I like it. Really, I bought it for you. How nice of me. Buy it early. And then, of course, under my under my Christmas tree is always a thank you gift from me for me for everything I've done for me this year. And I will always have that. My kids know it's it's always thank you to me from me for everything I've done for me. And it's always what I exactly want. And it's amazing how that happens. I love it. I love it. What a great tradition. I like what it. What a yes. great tradition. Yes. 
it, it is, it is that, that's, it is that's the ultimate tradition. That's giving to yourself and being appreciative of it. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. That's really something. Yeah. And I always get exactly what I want. It's so good. <laughs> That's good, probably good. the best part. Well, I think yes. people that get exactly what they want are willing to give it to themselves mm. and willing to ask for it. Those two things, yes. right? If we really want something, then we have to be willing to let people know what we want. We have to be willing to uh, admit what we want. And we have to be willing to do whatever it takes to get that, you know, for ourselves. Whether mm-hmm. it's a, you know, an experience, a relationship, or a, a, a present, whatever, whatever, if it's a material thing or an experience or an, even an emotion. Like, I think that this idea is sometimes when we're feeling something we don't want to feel, part of us actually really does want to feel it. So we should let ourselves feel it fully and then choose a different feeling afterwards, after we've felt it fully, right? Instead of resisting it. Resistance makes all of those feelings much harder. Yeah. That's, I, I want to address that for a moment. That's a really important point you just raised, the idea of feeling it fully. That's something I've been trying to give some real attention to in my own life lately, in my own practices, my daily practices. And the reason I mention it is I, I suspect other people have had similar experiences. I find that as I'm, I'm really applying myself to doing this every day, it, very often I have a challenge trying to feel it fully trying to let myself go all the way through because we have this really strong desire that's kind of, I think, taught into us, inculcated into us by our society to cut it off. And, mm-hmm. and I'm so used to cutting it off mm-hmm. that it's, it's actually, it's almost a chore to feel it all the way through. And yet the benefit yeah. of that is, is incredible. We're sort of taught not to feel right. Like mm-hmm. even as children, um, we're often scolded for behaviors that are just expressions of anger or frustration or even sadness, you know, don't cry, don't cry. Um, we're, we're hushed up a lot of the times for having, you know, any, any emotion aside from the glad ones, right? The happy ones. And people are, people are very, um, pe- most people are not adept at handling big emotions in other people. Um, so, or in themselves first, and then, so they can't help it with others. And then you get this ongoing cycle where we don't let anybody have big emotions. Um, or we'll label them in some way that makes it easier for us. Like somebody who is enraged, who has a legit rage about something. And then we'll just dismiss them as angry or disruptive Mm -hmm. or something, right? Because it makes it easier for us to navigate a big emotion. So, Learning to, to cope with, to, learning to navigate a big emotion is a skill that, um, is worth sitting with. It's worth learning. Um, and it's worth acknowledging they, in others. Is that something that they teach in acting school? The, 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 the expense of, of emotions? Yeah. Um, it is, it's, you're, you're always encouraged to go all the way through and then pull it back a little bit so that you can have it under control. Because remember, it's, it's not, if you're playing a role, that emotion, you can put your own emotion in it, but you still need to be in control as the actor. But yes, mm-hmm. tapping, and that's what the whole method acting is about, is tapping into it something yes. that, that allows you to feel, feel the feelings that the character would have felt. Um, and I but can hear yeah. Lawrence, I can hear Lawrence Olivier saying, isn't it easier just to act? So because, <laughs> um, 
yeah, because Dustin Hoffman, when he was um, a marathon man, I think it was, he went running and he put himself through all these physical things because he wanted to feel what the character felt. And Laurence Olivier over his martini was saying, can't you just act? Um, and <laughs> so some people get, some people need to, to, to navigate and feel the whole thing and other people can drop in and out. And that is a, that is a wiring thing, I think. Um, and also a skill set, but it is, um, I think, I think it's that notion of control that is, uh, part of why we find it so hard to drop in because we're scared of not being in control. And well, we're we- also, and, we're, and other people also are afraid of not us not being controllable. So, yeah, it's but emotions need to be felt all the way through and round. So we're talking about two different things because we're talking about feeling an emotion. And then when we start talking about acting, because acting is always showing and not telling. Right. I mean, you have to you're you're. You're seeing it happen. Like when you make a movie or you write a screenplay, it's you, if, if you're writing a lot of dialogue, you might have a book there and not a screenplay, right? Because in, in film anyway, you want to see it. You want mm-hmm. to be able to show it. And so in that situation, an emotion is going to always have some kind of display of emotion. Yeah. And that, that's the part that often scares people about feelings is that they don't want to do something that's inappropriate. And so we don't have to have an inappropriate display of emotion. Like if we're angry, we don't have to throw things, break things, kill anyone. You know, we don't and we can still feel the emotion without mm-hmm. having to have some kind of inappropriate display. So when we're talking about having an emotion that's uncomfortable and being willing to feel it fully. Um, that's really important to remind yourself is that you don't have to do anything that you're sorry for later. You don't have to break anything. You don't have to, right? It's just, it's about, it's an inner thing. It's not an outer thing. It's, it's, it's for you to feel this emotion. It's not for you to, you know, um, express it outwardly, although you might. I mean, emotions I are- I think expressing it outwardly is necessary because otherwise it's just sitting in your system. I think you have, but I think the appropriateness is important. I think that, you know, if, if I'm feeling a, a particular grief or frustration, especially frustration, I will say that that's something that I used to smother a lot and try and work through. And eventually I just said, okay, let me sit with the frustration. And the frustration had me up and walking and pounding the pillows and, you know, and getting really, really, and, and just like it needed to come out in this scream. Yeah. Yes, um, I'm a so, And, but, you know, but I had to choose an appropriate place to navigate that. I can't right. do it in the middle of the supermarket, right? Right. It's, That's what I'm yeah. saying is you don't mm. necessarily have to express it outwardly in a crowd or in, even in front of anyone else. No. Oh, right? By the way, but on behalf of the people in the supermarket, I want to thank you for that. but yes it is but it is it is a navigation that has to happen fully however that looks for you it has to happen so that you can and and the i think the reticence that you talked about well that's just just that's that's uh that's societal and just just how we have been taught to be humans right we're not taught to feel all our feelings. You know, we're, we're taught from tiny, like, like 
you know, Cindy said, don't cry, don't cry. Those are, those are things that, um, we pick up and we internalize without even in the, in the times of our lives when we're tiny and we're such sponges, we pick that up. And so this is yeah, the piece yeah. that you're undoing as well as navigating the emotion. And the good news is I'm seeing more and more of it happening. I don't know about you guys. I, just from what I observe in society at large, what I see on the social media, what I see talking to you guys, um, just all the different people that I see, I'm seeing more and more of people teaching their kids, it's okay to open up. It's okay to feel good. It's okay to feel bad. It's okay to feel whatever it is you're feeling. Go ahead and express it. It's fine. Not a problem, which is a big shift from where oh, things God, were yes. when I was growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a absolutely. wonderful shift. I'm glad it's happening. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Yeah, because it bodes well for humanity at large. You know, it bodes yes. well for all the, all the oncoming generations, um, that they won't have to do the work we've done. Thank God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I honestly think that actually kept me from wanting to have kids. Like, I can't do that to a kid. That's just not fair. Uh, I just didn't want to go through all that. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and that's, that's so interesting because that's why parenting swings the way it does. You know, you mm. had you had kids brought up like when I was brought up, I never sat at the dinner table with my parents ever mm. until I was wow. a grown-up. That just didn't happen. So I made a point of having my kids around the table all the time. Don't forget, my, my father was frightfully English, and that was the, the way that he was brought up. You don't – kids and adults were separate. Um, and so then with my kids, we had the whole dinner party thing, dinner party. We had this whole dinner table ritual where where everybody gathered around the table every night. And now I see, you know, my daughter is, is very busy. And if she, you know, if the kids had to wait for her to get home from work to eat, they would be starving. So they eat alone, but she has other things in place where she sits with them. Um, and, you know, and then she'll eat with her husband or have dinner on her own, whatever it happens. But life is different now. But we, we do this parenting thing. Like, you know, we, I grew up in a time where, um, you know, I as a kid had spankings. That was just legit. It was normal. Mm. I didn't spank my kids as much as my parents spanked me and my brothers. So it got less. And now, you know, my grandchildren just don't, that's not an experience they have. So it is, I think, um, I think every little bit of work we do on ourselves is a benefit to the generations to come in one way or another. Definitely. Yeah. That's a great point. That's a really important point, too, and a great way to wind up today's show, because sometimes we do feel like things aren't going to change. It's nice to know they do. It's nice they to know do. things have changed and they are continuing to change for the better. Things yes, are getting and, better. And they are getting better no matter. Don't forget that the bad news is what sells. So the fact that things are getting better is kind of happening under the radar. But mm. believe it, it's happening. The good news is the radar is having less and less effect, people are paying less attention to the radar even. I yep. mean, seriously, that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing like big, big change going on, on a wide, not that all of society is necessarily aware of it, but I'm seeing it. Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. loving that. I'm loving yeah. it a lot. Yeah. So if there's one thing, I, I'm, if I have to pick one thing to be grateful for this Thanksgiving season, that's it. Huge, huge positive shifts going on in society. Thank you very much, society. I really appreciate those shifts going on. I Thank you guys. Thank, thank yes. you for your contributions here today. Thank you for the mastermind. This is a great mastermind. <laughs> I, I appreciate so that. 
love that so much. Thank you to the podcast listeners who contribute to that mastermind because you guys actually increase it. We appreciate that very much. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.